Good morning. Thank you for the invitation to come among you again and uh, to be able to share a, a message from God's Word. I think this is the fifth year that I've been here, either the Sunday after Christmas or the Sunday after New Year. Um, and you know, if I lived a long way away from here, I would conclude that you live on the frozen tundra. It's always cold. There's always snow. Looking out on the, on the little couple out there that sits on the bench, and I know I've tried to get a laugh out of them more often. I have failed to do that, but, uh, it looks to me like they're sitting in snow up to their rear ends this morning, and, <laughs> but I know that, I know that that's not true. My wife and I live in Ramsey, and I don't work too far away from here. Uh, in the, uh, working at the administration building on, on the, uh, campus there of the seminary and Bible school and, and administration for the AFLC. Um, so I know that there are more seasons than just winter. Spring is usually a two day movable season occurring sometime mid to late April. And then that's followed immediately by almost as long a season of road construction as you have winter. But, uh, yeah, okay, I give up. I give up. Uh, I'm going to share a message with you this morning based on the gospel lesson for this first Sunday in the new year. And it's uh, found in Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 through 23. Reading then in Jesus' name. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where they stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. And when Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. And he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel, for those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up. He took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when they heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth, so was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, he will be called a Nazarene. The trouble with God, said one little boy, is that you can never quite tell what he's up to. Just when you think you have him figured out, he changes his mind and you have to start all over again. Now we, we chuckle at that 
and it's cute, but I think there are times in our lives when we really kind of think it's true, too. God is a mystery at, at times, isn't he? And sometimes, you know, he calls us to, to make some changes that we, we don't really understand. At times it seems obvious to us that the only thing obvious about God is that there's nothing obvious about him. And you know what? That shouldn't surprise us. Because God tells us in his word, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my way, your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now I've heard the Christian life described as walking the straight and narrow. And you probably heard that as well. And you know what? Morally speaking, that is true. Every Christian should be unyieldingly committed to doing what is right, unwilling to compromise on the essentials of our faith, following in the footsteps of Jesus, our Savior and Lord. Jesus himself uh, admonishes us in, in the Sermon on the Mount, enter through the narrow gate. Wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. So while it's true that we can correctly describe the Christian life as walking the straight and narrow, it's not always true that the path of the Christian life is straight. Sometimes the path God leads us on veers off in one direction or another, and sometimes it takes some very sharp turns. Sometimes the path of life takes detours. That was true even for Jesus and his family, as they were called from Nazareth to Bethlehem, then to Egypt, and finally back to Nazareth. Now this is a very appropriate time of the year, at least in my estimation, to consider the subjects of the detours of, of life. Um, that we're, we're here at the first Sunday in the new year. It's a time for many of us of reflection and planning. Some of you have made new, uh, new Year's resolutions. How many of you have made resolutions? Any? Well, you're like me. You realize that it's hopeless. <laughs> I'm sorry, Lord. <laughs> but as we focus on the topic of the detours of life this morning, looking at this passage from Matthew's Gospel, my purpose is to remind and to encourage every believer here as we do stand on the threshold of another new year. I want to remind and encourage you that God is indeed with us. He didn't leave us when we passed from one year into the next. He's always with us. I also want to encourage you that not only is he still with us, but he's still concerned about us that he is still leading us, and that we are secure in him, even if his leading and providing will take us on detours, unplanned, unforeseen side trips through life. 
I'd like to consider briefly with you this morning some of the reasons why God sends or allows detours in our lives. Sometimes detours are for our safety, our protection. That was true in the case of Jesus and his family. Herod had been fooled by the Magi because those Magi were wise men enough to realize they don't want to go back to Jerusalem. They don't want to tell the king where Jesus is because they have that sense of having been warned themselves that that would put the child in danger. And so they took a different way home. They too took a a detour. And it was to protect Jesus. Um, in, In Matthew 2 at verse 13, we read, When they, the Magi, had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Herod was afraid of Jesus, this little baby. Why? Because he had been described, uh, this Jesus had been described to them as the king of kings, the king of, of Israel. And, and that, that made Herod uncomfortable, afraid for himself, for his own power and for his own legacy. And so he decided that he was going to search for this Jesus and put him to death. And because he didn't know exactly where Jesus was, other than that he was somewhere in or around Bethlehem, we know that he went out and he had all of the male children, two years of age and under, put to death. I used to think when I was a kid that that would have been thousands of people, but Bethlehem isn't a very big big town. I don't know what the actual number would have been, and I'm not trying to minimize either what what took place because it was a it was a massacre, wasn't it? And 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 a, what a bloody thing it was. But Joseph had been protected by God. He was instructed to leave and to go to Egypt to get out from under Herod's authority, to find safety there in that foreign land. And Joseph was also instructed not to return to Galilee until after Herod's death. Then he was told, get up, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel for those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up. He took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when they, when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned here in yet another dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee and went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled that which was said through, this, through the prophets, he will be called a Nazarene. Detours are often for our safety too, aren't they? I mean, you think, you know, in that long season of of road construction, uh, we, we we have to follow some detours, don't we? And it's it's for our good, isn't it? It's for our safety and for our well-being. I mean, ignore a detour and see what happens to you. 
besides getting picked up and thrown in jail for 82 years, um, you're going to you're going to hit some spots that are going to be downright dangerous to you or your vehicle. And this is the way it is often. I, I think of the early church history. You know, in, in 70 A.D., the Roman uh, general Titus came in and just laid waste to Jerusalem, laid waste to the temple. And, and we're told that over a million Jews lost their lives in that one single event. But Christians recognized the warning that God had provided for them, and they fled to the hills literally as they had been called to do, And I'm told as I read church history that Christians didn't suffer. Christians didn't die. They were protected because they took that detour that God had called them to. And I think of Paul numerous times in his own ministry. He he took a few detours in life too, didn't he? But it was for his protection, for his well-being, and for the sake of him being able to carry the message of the gospel to even that many more people. So it's all right for us to have detours on occasion because sometimes those detours are there to protect us, to provide safety for us. At other times, detours are for our instruction. They're for our spiritual growth. In Psalm 25, verse 14, we read, The Lord confides in those who fear Him. He makes his covenant known to them. And while it was at the very least an inconvenience, the detour Joseph was warned to take certainly confirmed God's covenant with him, and through it he grew spiritually. And think of so many people in the Old Testament who, like Joseph and like us, were called to take detours. Abraham's life took a pretty sharp detour, didn't it? when he was called to leave Ur of the Chaldees and make what would ultimately amount to about a thousand-mile trip to go to a land he'd never seen, simply out of obedience and trust. It was true for him as it's called to be for us. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. And the promise from Psalm 119, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. Abraham's path was lighted, wasn't it? And he was protected and guided as God led him. It was true for Joseph. It was true for Moses. It was true for David. In the New Testament, it was true for the Apostle Paul, for John. It's true for each and every believer, that we are called to realize that God's word will light our paths as well. And that we, as we trust in God with our hearts, with all our hearts, and don't lean on our own understanding, but acknowledge him in all our ways, he will make our paths straight. He will lead us. We may not understand at the time, We may never fully understand in our lifetimes the reasons for some of the detours God brings or allows us to go through. But we will see his hand in these experiences. And we will grow to trust him more fully. And we will always, always be better off ultimately 
because we follow him, because he will use those detours for our instruction and for our spiritual growth and development. There are other times when we are called on detours because we need to be corrected. The psalmist says in Psalm 119, 67, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I obey your word. You know, we, we can get off track, can't we? We can decide this is the path I should take. And we start heading down it, and the Lord needs to bring us back to the track that he wants us to follow. And so sometimes those detours are there to correct us and to bring us back to him and to show us our reliance upon him and his ability to keep us and guide us, even when we don't know where the next step will be. We can become fugitives from God without ever wanting to be. But you see, and and, and we can think, well, where, where did God go? I mean, here I am, I'm taking this path that I thought was right, and, well, It isn't Jesus who's a fugitive from us, but so often it is us running from him. And Sometimes it takes a detour to get our attention and to cause us to think again about what we're doing and to get us back on track spiritually. And I'm grateful to God that he's willing to provide that correction. I'm grateful to God that he doesn't let me veer off too far before he would call me to get back on track. And I hope that's true for you too. There are still other times when detours in our lives are for the sake and the benefit of others. In Jesus' case, his flight to and from Egypt helped further confirm him as the Messiah to the rest of the world. It was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet Out of Egypt I called my son. The fact of his growing up in Nazareth was even further proof so that he would be called a Nazarene, we read in verse 23 of our text. And in our own lives, the fact of detours is often for the sake of ministry to others. We need to consider things from a different perspective. And sometimes God's economy What he values isn't the same as as ours. Remember when Philip, it's recorded for us in the book of Acts, went into Samaria and he was involved in in a really tremendously effective ministry, evangelistic ministry, and many, many people were were getting saved and, and growing in relationship with God. And then God, through an angel, told Philip, Get up and go out to the Gaza Road. It's a desert road. As far as we know, he met only one person. God called him to leave a place where dozens of people were getting saved and to go out to a desert road and meet one person. And yet we know from history that that one person, that Ethiopian, got saved there on the road was baptized right there in water alongside the road. 
and went back to his people and and the and the history of of the the church in in Ethiopia is a strong one and it started it started with that one man god is that concerned about individuals that there are times when he would lead us from a place where we think we're doing the best we can for him to a place where we wonder what's even going to happen will i even meet someone will i be able to do anything good and yet he will bring us into contact with an individual or two and allow us to witness to them and to share the gospel with them and his spirit will be active and lives will be changed and we we have the privilege of ministering to others we have the privilege of our lives and our ministries touching and affecting others in such a way that they come to know the Lord Jesus as their own Savior. Moses, he took a couple of detours, didn't he? Finally got out there where he was safe, and he'd been out there for 40 years. I don't think he was really thinking much about any other ministry to the Hebrew people or or uh, ministry to any of the Egyptians. In fact, I doubt that the statute of limitations for murder was any shorter there than it is in our country. And yet God called him to go back and to lead his people out of Egypt and to the promised land. Joseph, Reuben, what he learned through that whole process. And I think even of myself, and I'm nobody special, but he took me out of a manufacturing job. He took me away from insurance sales. I was doing pretty well, pretty comfortable. Called me to go to seminary. And then in the now close to 40 years in, in the ministry. Called me to Northwest North Dakota. What good can come from Northwest North Dakota, right? <clears throat> then on to Illinois. Then down to Southern Oklahoma. Then to East Grand Forks. North Dakota, the place when I'd gone to UND, I called the armpit of the world. The Lord has a sense of humor. And I was able to minister to people that I grew to love. And people's lives were benefited through the ministry of the gospel. Called then to Brainerd, Minnesota. Thought we were going to retire there. God had another plan, and so the latest detour is calling me to come down here and serve as, as the assistant to our AFLC president. And by the way, that's not the vice president. I, I just, just this week I had somebody confused, thinking that my position means that I'm the vice president of the AFLC, and 
I have to remind people that that's not true. What I really am is the chief flunky. I do what I'm told, when I'm told. And I make light of it. But I'm grateful for God's call and for the opportunity I have to pour myself into the lives of pastors or, or, or congregations. And people, people can be benefited. It's a wonderful thing. So maybe God calls you on detours from time to time, not so that you'll learn so much, not so that you'll be corrected or brought back straight and narrow, but maybe it's for the sake of encouraging and benefiting others. And if that's the case, thank and praise him that he can use you and grow his kingdom through all of his people. How we handle detours in our lives just in itself is a a testimony to others. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount said, in the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Finally, I want to encourage you that God will always use detours in our lives for our best. It is true what he says through the Apostle Paul. We know that in all things, In all things, not most things, not some things, but in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Those who've been called according to his purpose. And it's true for us as it was true for Israel when he tells us in Jeremiah 29, beginning at verse 11, I know the plans I have for you. Just stop and ponder that one. I know the plans I have for you. You're not just out there to wander around and hope you get to the finish line. He has plans for you, specific plans, specific places for you to go, specific people for you to meet, specific ministries that he will call you individually to undertake on behalf of the gospel. It may represent a change from what you're thinking you ought to be doing. But he knows the plans. And those plans, he says, are to prosper you, not to harm you. They're plans to give you hope and a future. He says, then you'll call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. The year was 1920. The scene was the examining board for selecting missionaries. Standing before the board was a young man named Oswald Smith. One dream dominated his heart. He wanted to be a missionary. Over and over again he prayed, Lord, I want to go as a missionary for you. Open a door of service for me. Now at last, his prayer would be answered. But when the examination was over, The board rejected Oswald Smith's candidacy. He didn't meet their qualifications. He failed the test, if you will. Oswald Oswald Smith had set his direction, but now an unexpected detour lay before him. So what would he do? Well, as he prayed, God planted another idea in his heart. 
If he couldn't go as a missionary, he would build a church that could send out missionaries, and that's what he did. Oswald Smith pastored the People's Church in Toronto, Canada, would send out more missionaries in his day than any other church during his lifetime. Oswald Smith was detoured, but accepted and traveled it, and God transformed this detour into a main thoroughfare of service. Friends, detours in life are not an evidence that God has lost interest in you, that he's abandoned you, or that he's lost even partial control over your situation. He doesn't always send detours, but he can and will always use them for our ultimate good. He who has called us has also given us the gift of faith by which we can trust him to lead us through those detours. So let him get your attention when you encounter them. Ask him to reveal what you need to learn through them, sometimes to protect, sometimes to instruct, sometimes to uh, correct us, sometimes for the sake of others we've been talking about, but always, always for our good. And then head down those detours with the conviction that it is God who's leading you, who's growing your faith, and who's using you to build his kingdom to benefit the lives of others. God took care of Joseph and Mary and Jesus through those detours of life in our text. God always has taken care of his people through the detours of life. So, like them, trust and obey. Because as you follow in the footsteps of your Savior, wherever that path leads, no matter where it may turn, you follow one, capital O. You follow one who knows the way, and he'll get you through the detours of life. God bless you. Amen. Thank you, Lord for your word to us today. Thank you for how you do lead through detours of life. Sometimes you provide those detours to correct or to protect or to get us back on the right path to you. Sometimes you use them that we might be able to benefit other people. But for whatever reason, they're always for our good. They're always that your kingdom may grow. And there are always opportunities for you to be honored in and through them. So grant us faith, Lord, to believe these truths. Grant us faith that we might take the steps to follow you on those detours. and Build your kingdom and strengthen us and use us. What an honor to ponder. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.